0: Aaron McLeod, where we will talk about all things that fall under the umbrellas of high performance, passion, and equality. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Three Sides with me. Uh, Before we get started today, we have a really interesting episode. (laughs) I mean, of course, I'm biased, but uh, we are diving more into social constructs. And it's been really interesting because today I wanted to talk about the four ways of feminism. But the four ways of feminism have happened in the last century or so. And I had to get a little bit deeper into all the things that have been done because really the last century has been about undoing all of the prejudice and the discrimination that has been set up in the past. So stay tuned. But before that, just a, uh, a word from our sponsors. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, capital B, L, E, A, V to get started. And it's not just basketball, Online's is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, to recap our last episode, I talked a little bit about my dilemma with fighting for my worth as a female athlete and how social constructs really play a role in most of our lives without us even really knowing about it. I ended the episode talking about when men and women were hunter and gatherers and how that actually kind of created some sort of equality. Both roles were different, but both were very important. And both either the male or the female would live or move to be with their in-laws, but eventually there was a greater emphasis on agriculture and uh, basically being in charge of your farm and your land, and with that, uh, men having greater strength, that was more important, they basically held the power, and the autonomy that women had when they were hunters and gatherers, they kind of lost that, so they ended up living with their husbands, the farmland, everything, the power got passed down on the man's side, and that had a huge impact on women. But we'll dive a little bit more into that. I guess my question after reading all this and researching more and more is, what does true equality look like? And are we even close to being there? So coincidentally, last episode, I got into... CBA, collective bargaining agreements within the NWSL, and how important it was. And there's two different ways to approach things kind of slow and steady, which I believe is a CBA approach, um, which is gaining traction and a lot of rights as far as medical coverage and housing and improved services and all these wonderful things. And then there's also the aggressive approach that the U.S. national team has has taken. And I truly admire um, using their platforms to really encourage Uh, gender equity and gender equality. And literally after I uh, put out the episode, uh, what was really incredible to me is on February 22nd, a Tuesday, a settlement was agreed to for the sum of $24 million between the U.S. Soccer Federation and the 28 members of the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team World Cup winners. This settlement was the equal pay lawsuit that we've seen in the press for years Now, along with a sum of money, 22 million of which will go to the players, while the other 2 million will go to charities that benefit women and girls, soccer programs, and to help players with their post retirement transitions, along with this, the U.S. Soccer Federation pledges to equalize pay for the men's and women's national teams. This is obviously huge. As a side note, none of the money, however, will be distributed until a new CBA is reached between the Federation and women's national team. The former CBA expired December 31st, which began in 2017, and I believe they are currently in negotiations, quote-unquote, in good faith. Even though they haven't concluded the CBA, there are a few things they have already agreed to. Uh, The allocation system, which for those of you who don't know, the U.S. Soccer Federation, in order to help with funding for the NWSL and to keep it afloat, has been paying for the salaries of the U.S. national team members on each team. The U.S. national team has decided to end the allocation system. The budgets have been increased, and this kind of gives the players uh, more flexibility to fight for bigger salaries, to move more. Um, I think all in all, it's, it's better for the league as a whole and hopefully make it financially more competitive. But it still makes me wonder, why did it take so long to get this gender equity deal wrapped up? As I mentioned, all modern societies have evolved out of agrarian societies. By agrarian, (laughs) sounds like a word I've never used before. That's because it is. I mean the agricultural society, any community whose economy is based on producing and maintaining crops and farmland. In other words... Before the Industrial Revolution, which was 1760 to 1840, the male endurance value and physical strength translated directly to political power. The fellas all fought in wars. They did the hunting. They helped build stuff, you know. They plowed fields, and I quote, precisely because they possessed the physical stamina to do so at a far greater degree than females put them ahead. Now there is a great article on slate.com called why did almost all societies believe that women were inferior to men? This article was extremely interesting as it speaks to how for a long time human fertility was the be all and end all. Females were responsible for reproduction and couldn't afford to be taken away from that responsible for anything. I sometimes forget like how many evolutions, revolutions there's been in the medical industry. Pregnancy and childbirth were not that manageable and women at a great rate would die during childbirth. And not only that, most babies actually didn't make it past their second year. So it was literally the woman's full-time job, not only to stay alive during this process, but also keeping their babies alive. Not to mention, the disease was also rampant, and they don't have the medication that we have now to fight these diseases. So it was just a harder time to survive. So the men had the role of social manager and physical power. And women had the home power childbearer responsibility. Life expectancy was also a lot shorter. So these roles for both men and women were so important for society to continue. But of course, like everything, society changed. The Industrial Revolution happened and there was more wealth, machines that equalized strength. So the need for brute strength diminished. And also the necessity of babies to preserve society diminished because of so many medical advances. Like I mentioned, around childbirth and disease. So how did this change things? Before this, both roles were deemed as somewhat equally as important for society to thrive. I say somewhat because the men still held more of the power, but they did really value how important the female role was in society. But what the Industrial Revolution did was create this kind of clear divide between what was considered work and being at home. I also have to say that A lot of the information was really hard to find around this time, but mostly the things that I was looking to find were how people, from a philosophical standpoint, saw women as less. Obviously, different roles is fine, but they went from being seen as almost equals to losing that. So again, society went from focusing on survival to shifting to a different definition of success. Success went from survival to the amount of wealth one could accumulate. There was a lot of social changes that occurred because of the Industrial Revolution. Workers' rights, for example, work health and safety all became priorities out of necessity, enforced schooling, and a need for childcare so that both parents could work. This didn't happen overnight, of course. Factories at first were not safe, and women were paid less than men and often overworked, not to mention the amount of child labor that went on. So men started working more outside of the home in factories. Their time to produce goods was invaluable, and money was the new form of success. Men dominated this new realm of work. Now, this is where there was a clear change in expectations and gender roles, especially for women. The women were obviously not paid for their work at home, but their full-time job was to take care of the household, raising dutiful children, and to be there for their husbands when they came home from a hard day's work. But a lot of women were also working in the factories, but that didn't mean the expectations on them was any less around the house. I came across this great article on uml.edu called The Role of Women in the Industrial Revolution. It describes how one man, a Boston merchant by the name of Francis Cabot Lowell, in 1812, upon returning from England, had the idea of a power loom. For those of you who don't know, because I sure didn't, a loom weaves cotton into cloth, which is a very time-consuming process. So the advent of a machine like this and many others would soon be the beginning of what would become the largest industrial center in the usa by 1843 but this is where it gets well even more sexist these corporations hired recruiters to enlist young women from rural areas say rural three times dare you it's pretty hard men were fleeing rural areas to get work in factories. And women would only be in cities for a few years until they found their husbands and corporations wanted families in the city. So they needed more women to stick around. But the biggest reason women were less expensive and easier to control. I'm quoting this easier to control than men. By 1843, the town of Lowell, Massachusetts, saw 30,000 women go into the city. So many of these women moved into corporate-owned boarding houses. These boarding houses had curfews, mandatory church attendance, and increased peer pressure from society to behave a certain way. So what I thought was kind of cool, hundreds of women eventually formed the Lowell Female Labor Reform Association, where they fought together for more rights and reduced hours. Now, due to the fact that society believed the proper place for a woman was in the home, the voices of the association were largely ignored. And it would be more than 30 years before anything they fought for came into fruition. When many women had had enough, they left with a small amount of money that they were able to save up and get married. And in some cases, divorced. And at this time, all of the rights when it came to marriage or divorce were in favor of the men. So some of them kind of went from one prison to another. So I know that I mentioned the four waves of feminism. But in my head, you know, I could understand how from an evolutionary standpoint that men, because of brute strength, you know, kind of led the way. But for me, what's, I guess, harmful is when we start giving people's roles less importance or having that be a reflection of their intelligence or abilities in general. Now, I'm sure there are many more stories like that of Lowell, Massachusetts. And just this week, the WNBA team, the New York Liberty, faced a major penalty for flying charter. Like the men do every game. And they did this for about the last third of all the games. Now, apparently it went against the collective bargaining agreement because it gave them an unequal advantage over the other teams. However, many owners are arguing that they should be able to invest in their team to create the best working conditions as possible, equal to the men. And if they can't, they shouldn't hold it against other clubs insider.com claims owners voted down a temporary plan to upgrade team flights out of fear that players would get used to it. That's right. They were afraid that the female players would get used to being treated just like the men. Those kind of comments make me wonder how far we really have come. In any case, next time I will actually dive into the four waves of feminism. And the interesting thing is we always think about gender norms and expectations hurting only women, but that's not the case. It affects everybody. I will also eventually get to an interview with Jamie Linval, who works with The Mindful Project, about how he had to find his own way to recognize prejudice and privilege and being stuck in a box that didn't necessarily fit for him. Now, sometimes going over all these social constructs kind of feels like Debbie Downer-ish. But my ultimate aim is just to find out the truth and why these social constructs continue to exist. So please tune in next time as we go over, for real, the four waves of feminism. But quick, one more time, I want to thank Online. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Three Sides with Aaron McLeod. If you are interested in hearing about a certain topic, let me know. You can email me directly at themotivenation1 at gmail.com or my Mindful Project email, erin at themindfulproject.us.